There are certain things that are important enough to repeat until we get it. And one of those is that word right there. That's a great song. And there's always somebody else coming along that doesn't know what some of us already know. The word amen, amen, means so be it. Every time you use that word, I come in alignment. Every time you use that word, I am in agreement. Every time you say that, Lord, your kingdom on earth as it already is in heaven, let, let, it, let it be done in my life. Amen to it. Amen. You put it in my heart, I say amen. So be it. You want to bring a change in my life, so be it. You're my master. Lord, that which I struggle with, I need to hear your voice. And when I hear his voice, I can come back sometimes with that very soft, amen. Still has the same impact. Lord, I'm struggling, but I come in agreement. I come together with you. I come in a oneness. If you know anything about God, you know there's a oneness that's always stressed that carries over to the body of Christ. One faith, one Lord, all these things. When Jesus prayed for us, look it up, John 17. He had us in mind. When he prayed that prayer, he prayed that very thing. Make them one just like we are, Father. Would you stand today? I'm going to ask him to sing that chorus just one more time, and I want you to join the choir, and let's sing it together as now it becomes your song, your expression to him as we simply sing Amen. 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 Blessing and honor. Blessing and honor and glory and power. Amen. 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 Make us one, Lord. Blessing and honor and glory and power. Amen. One more time on the chorus.
love you didn't even know you could sing. Isn't it wonderful to find out God's given you more than you even knew that you had? Would you turn to one another as you're being seated and just say, I'm glad that I'm in the house of God today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If I may have just uh, the first few minutes of my preaching time today to, to be promotional. This is the first Sunday of 2019. It's already been stressed. Of course, you're already aware of that. And again, a lot of talk happens about resolutions, whether it's dietary, whether it's exercise. Maybe you're going to quit something. Maybe you're going to start something. And uh, as a pastor leading a house now for many years, uh, you come to that place where, Lord, help me, give me something that's transferable. Give me something that is lasting. And three years ago uh, now, actually what, two full years ago, I came to you and I'd asked the Lord, Lord, give us something that we don't forget the theme by the end of January and you're supposed to go a whole year with it. And we had a year with C.S. Lewis with Mere Christianity. And then last year, uh, introduced uh, a lot of people to A.W. Tozer. And so as I was preparing for this year, my mind was kind of going down the same path of what he'd given me, but I truly feel like it's even deeper this year. And so I wanted to take a few moments to, as I said, be promotional. Uh, Many of you have read the devotional, My Utmost, for His Highest. Some of you have used that devotional for years. Others have never heard that title. We'll take a year to kind of go into some of the nuances of it. Uh, however, this particular devotional may be the number one devotional of all time. And uh, as I was refreshed with this devotional, I'll just be very honest with you. As a leader, you always have to be thinking of others, for sure. As John Maxwell teaches in leadership conferences, that the leader walks slower than what they naturally could because they remember somebody else is coming along. And when it comes to a devotional life, I don't know what the percentages would be, but unfortunately, it probably wouldn't be as strong as you would think it would be of those that say, you know, I actually have a daily walk with God. And there are those main staples in faith that you'll never get past, nor would you want to. And two of those main staples is having a prayer life and having a devotional life in His Word. How many knows that His Word is still alive? And it breathes, and it breathes into our life. Oswald Chambers, this particular book, My Utmost for His Highest, was not a book in its original form. We'll go into that a little more later. But again, uh, you know, Lord, help us with Grace Life. Where are we going this year? And, and so I want you to know right out of the gate that my full intention, my expectation, and my hope is that we become extreme, that we become radical in our devotion. I'm going to use those two terms because that's really what utmost is defining. Too many times in life, we just try to get by. What's it take just to keep my spouse happy? What's it take to keep my employer happy? What does it take just so that uh, my health is borderline? If I gain five more pounds, I may 
lose my job, so I'll, I'll just keep it right in there. And we, if we're not careful, we, we get a mentality of mediocrity. But what about having a life of extreme? What would that look like? What would that look like if a person completely devoted themselves to a relationship with God himself? We express that. We think that. But what happens if it actually happens? As we go into this year, uh, we have books prepared for you in the foyer. They'll be there every week. We've already got a, a bulk rate on it. Some of you like books in your hand, and we're just passing along the discount to you. It's $6. I mean, if you don't have $6, I'll give you the $6. And I mean that sincerely. Uh, if you like digital, uh, the church is providing opportunity, of course, to uh, with Facebook, Twitter, whatever system you want, constant contact. And I'm going to go ahead and I'll, I'll do other things like this throughout the year, but I'm going to start off with this one. And that is, I want you to get radical in your devotion so much that instead of necessarily your devotion, and you'll find these devotions are one page, but they are so full of meat. I would encourage some of you, if your devotion time is early in the morning, I don't want to take away from that. If it's late at night, I don't want to take away from that. Typically, people that use late night kind of do this. Lord, I've been busy all day. Now it's just you and me. <laughs> so I wouldn't encourage that one particularly. But what would this look like if this part of your devotion life, you kind of did it around lunchtime, knowing that you'll be with coworkers? And you set your alarm on your phone to go off. And your coworker looks at you and says, what did you do, forget to get up this morning? And you say, no, that's my reminder for my devotion. Would you like to share with me, let me read my devotion to you. What would that look like? To be able just to speak into somebody else's life. So again, that's just one example of maybe an extreme that you've not known up to this time. How many knows we are to be salt? and we are to be light, and we are to be a city set upon a hill. This world can't do without us. Turn to somebody and say that. The world can't do without you. But I don't know how many of us actually believe that. So here we are, going into this year, my utmost for his highest. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 1, as you stand for the reading of God's Word. going to read just one verse, but oh my. How good it is. Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. As it is my eager expectation. Sounds like a New Year's resolution, doesn't it? As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body whether by life or by death. You may be seated. The more you look at that, the deeper it gets. The more you chew on it, the bigger it gets. To realize that it sounds like a generalization of concept, and yet you come back to the reality, I want this to color my entire walk, my entire life, my business life, my married life, my parenting life, whatever life I have, exercise life, I want all of this to look the same. I want God to have an amen with you, a so be it. 
that I come in alignment with your will and your word. And it is my eager, I love that that's there, eager expectation. Not just a concept, not just a thought, not just a wish. It is my eager expectation and my hope that I will not be ashamed. Not ashamed in what? Every single area of my life. Paul couldn't get away from this thought. As he wrote to the church in Rome, he came back and he said, I'll not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God. This gospel has power in it. He would come back later to that same Roman church and say, I stress to you what I've learned, that I present my body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. I think I've got the, the right now to say this, even though I will tell you it is an opinion. But studying Paul these many years, his writings, trying to visualize him, doing the studies that I've been privileged to be a part of over these years, temperament testing, personality profiles, and you start taking that knowledge that you've received and look back at some of these personalities of Scripture. Who were these people if they were still among us today? What, what would be their character? Do, do they have flaws? I think for Paul, he had to go to the extreme because he knew himself. He knew that if he decided to do anything mediocre, his, his personality that he had lived so long would overtake. So he had to make that personality die daily. In another passage, it sounds extreme. Again, he said, I beat my body into submission. I don't know how you read that. I read that. He beat himself. You say, well, that's probably just philosophical. No, it's reality. I think the man knew this is the only way I can be effective is to sell out 100%, and I've got to put myself in place where that happens every day. So for me, I, I want to share with you something that happened early in my life as a teenager, probably one of the first books that I bought myself is a book entitled Doorways to Discipleship. And on the screens, you'll see uh, what Wiki, Winky, excuse me, Prattney put together at the conclusion of this particular book. Now, some of the words up there, like rompus room, isn't used as much today. And you might have activities room or home theater or whatever the case. But you, you can still see what his concept was. And you're saying, well, I still, I still don't get it. I see all these cubes, and I see scriptures, and I see this whatever. But you see, what Winky did, and it, it helped shape my life early on in becoming a disciple of Christ, is to realize it's one thing to pray in a general way, Lord, take my life and do with it whatever you want to. But most of us know that doesn't really work very long for us. We have to get more specific. And Winky understood that. So he looked at his life as if he was looking at a blueprint of a house being constructed. And now it'll start making sense. Every one of these areas, such as the basement of the house, represented the motives of everything that he would do. You look at uh, the word study, the, going to the study. Well, that's where he got his training. The kitchen, most of us live there. He understood the word of God is the bread of life, and he would devour it, make sure that he was a part of that every day. The more you look at that, it, it starts making sense. And, but I want to take it a step further. 
I, first time reading it as a teenager, I was just kind of seeing what's there in front of me. But it didn't take much longer, and of course now after these many years, going back this way, someone might say, Pastor, people talk about a prayer life, but once I pray about two minutes, I have nothing else to say. Well, when you start getting to this area, then you realize, but if I get specific, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of all. I want you to be the Lord of my study, of my kitchen, of my living room, and just going through every area of my life. If I can just elaborate a little bit more, my take on this is, as we look at our life, what part of our life is still under construction? So many of us own homes, or we're renting a home, and we all know the same thing. You're never finished with a house, are you? Can I hear an amen? I'm not alone. And just when you think you're done, something burns out, and you have to replace that. But then you go to somebody else's house and realize, my house is very dated. I need to kind of get current. And, and it's just an ongoing process, and it really does represent our life. There's always something going on in our life. For many of us, building a new home or going into a house and move in, you say, I'll get to this room later on. It may be the third bedroom, the second bedroom. I'm going to convert the third bedroom to a study. I'm going to take the second bedroom. I, I live by myself. I'll make it an exercise room. I'll make it an office. Whatever the case, you realize that there are these thoughts, there's these concepts, there's these ideas that I want to develop my life. Uh, I want to develop this house. And so how many of us have learned, I'm going to get to that. That'll be my next project. And all of a sudden, 10 years have passed, and you realize you still haven't even started. So, you see, it does help us to kind of go through. Now, maybe you don't have a gallery, but we do realize the need for meditation. So the more that I, I this book, it has spoke to me for years of looking, but what areas of my life have become cluttered? Now, you don't need to say amen here. You need to say, oh, me. We have used this room so much that the carpet is threadbare. I mean, you know, the paint is peeling. Uh, the sun has come in and licked all the red off the walls. Now I got pink walls and I don't like pink. You know, and you just go on. And what, what areas of the life are, as I said, cluttered? And so this, I, I'll get to this stuff later. Before you know it, the whole, you can't even walk in the room anymore. You can't even make a path through there. And we see the same thing happens to our life. There's certain areas that we do very well and there's other areas that Jesus is not Lord of all. And this is why we're talking about extremes of coming to this place. Well, I came across another book by Robert Munger uh, some years later than that, that Robert must have had the same thought, and it's simply entitled, What Jesus Says. Not WWJD, it was before that. And Robert Munger was doing the same thought. He was thinking of his life and thinking of it as a blueprint but what started him was, as he became a Christian, as he gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, Jesus, I want you to live in my heart. I want you to make my heart your home. And so he did this exercise in his mind. And he said, Lord Jesus, would you walk with me and let me walk you through my house? Now, you see, already some of you are getting nervous because you don't want guests coming into your house and seeing all of your house. Can I hear an amen? You have prepared what rooms they're able to see when they're dining with you. And if they ask to use the restroom and you give them distinct directions, you take 
the second door to the left, but you see that they're a little nosy in nature, and they go beyond that point. You're quick to, ah, bathroom, second door. You know who you are. Robert looked at this and said, I, I, I don't want to hide anything from you. Walk through my house. I, Jesus, make yourself at home here. But I love the revelation that he got. As wonderful as that was and as noble as that was, he finally came back and he said, but you see, Lord, up until now, you have been a guest in my house. And I've been the host. From now on, I want you to be the master of the house and own it. And I'll be your servant. World of difference. How many times have we done something very similar in our devotional life of, okay, Lord, I'm going to open up another room in my house. You're welcome to go in there with me. I'll show you around. And it sounds wonderful, and it's a beginning stage. But again, we come back to this radical position. So now we've got to make it personal. My utmost for his highest. We don't use that term utmost very often. But it simply means extreme. I want the extreme of my life to be given to you so that you get glory. I want to do that through my service. Again, Jesus taught us, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. When we come to this, this place of my utmost, it is the radical position. It is the extreme. And I'm going to help you today. I'm your pastor. Been serving here a long time. But if you're not careful, the enemy will slip in and say, well, this is the life that pastors live, and this is the life that normal people live. I want you to know I'm normal. Just, just, just a side note. My extreme. What would that look like? What would it look like if God truly was active in my life every day of my life? Every Monday, every Tuesday, throughout the week. What would that look like if I had a time with God through His Word and so that His Word may speak to me and I can receive revelation? What would it look like and I'm encouraging you with this simple devotion process is if it isn't already there to say, you know what, I'll start off and just add two minutes to that and have prayer time. Lord, let me just start off with the word amen. So be it. Well, that which I've read today, I want to come in alignment with it. It's really speaking to me. Amen to it. Amen to it. Some of you will be very honest. God, I have never really tried to pray to you. I, I've thought about it. I've had moments where I've been around and I've said some words. But to have a conversation with God. Don't you love that statement? In a conversation, it means it's not one-sided. But there's dialogue. That there's relationship. That we can hear His voice. That He speaks to us. That at times when we come in and tell Him all the things we're going to do for Him. That he can speak to us and say, no, I don't need you to do that. I just need you to be still. And for our, those of us that are driven, you say, but I don't want to be still. And he says, but be still and know that I am your God. And we fold our arms and get a little more demonstrative. But I don't like being still. You created me. You know the way I am. So 
let me do what I'm doing. It'll bless you, God. And he just speaks one more time. Be still. Why do you want to be still? I can't get nothing done by being still. Au contraire. Be still and know. I'll never know if I don't get still. The action of that word is extreme again. My utmost for his highest. You see the extreme of both measurements. The very best I can be to present my body, not my thought life only, my body. Present my body holy unto you, godly unto you. Present my body a living sacrifice unto you, God. What will that look like? You see, I'm a believer that preaching God's word actually transforms lives. How many believes that? It's the hearing of God's word. It's transformational. Sometimes it's in your personal devotion. But this is why we gather together. This is why we do what we do. Because the word instructs us to do it. And it's in moments like these that something is birthed in our spirit. And we come back to the life we're living. Lord Jesus, be Lord of all. Go through my life. Help me. I didn't even know that room was cluttered. Or I thought that that was acceptable. But I realized I'm missing out on an element. Lord, I want, I want you to have your way with me. I want to give you a quote from Oswald Chambers. I'm going to read it because I don't want to miss one, one word of it. He simply says, ask yourself the question, am I getting nobler, better, more helpful, more humble as I get older? Am I exhibiting the life, I love this, that others take knowledge of as having been with Jesus? Or am I getting more self-assertive? More deliberately determined to have my own way? He said, you see, it's a great thing to tell yourself the truth. <laughs> Quite a question, isn't it? The older I get, do I bear the marks of him that I've called Lord? Is he shaping me? Is he causing me to be more patient with others? You see, only he can do that for us. Because in ourself, it'll never get done. As Anthony Arnone said, I thought it was a wonderful description. And he actually did it through prayer time. God, there are those people that make me want to go, ugh. I'm, I'm going to take that one. And yet in a prayer life, in, a, in an utmost way, he's speaking to me. But I want you to love him. Because I love them, and the only way I can reach them is through you. Would you love those that make you go, uh? How many have ever been there? Give a witness. I mean, in yourself, you think, there is no way. I can't stand this person. This person gets on my last nerve as soon as they walk in and say good morning to me. This person, absolutely, there's, there's not one. I don't like the way they dress. I don't like the way they part their hair. I don't like one thing about them. And their cackle laugh. Oh, it just drives me nuts. And we just go on and on. And all of a sudden, God says, yeah, they're mine, but they don't know it. I need you to reach them. Lord, don't you have other disciples? This is what we mean by extreme. My utmost. 
When somebody else comes back to you and said, you know what, I know you don't like me. Why are you being so kind to me? I know that I get on your last nerve. I intentionally do that. It makes me feel good. And the more I throw at you, the more you keep loving me. Why do you do that? You see, it's only the extreme that will ever see that in their life. Because it's the power of God. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that transforms us. I like what Paul said later on. He said, I go from glory to glory to glory. Lord, I've known you in the sanctuary. Man, I love it when Brother Kerry leads and we get involved. Man, I love that amen song today. I got into that. I didn't even know I could sing. That sounded pretty good with everybody else helping me. And I enjoyed your presence in the sanctuary. But Lord, I want to know you in the midnight hour when crisis hits. And I want to know you in the heat of the day when I'm consumed with pressure. I want to know you at times where I'm receiving promotion and I have to exhibit a humility so that I don't alienate anybody else just because I got a promotion. How many have been there? I mean, you got to know the crosshairs get on you as soon as you're promoted. Somebody doesn't like it. You've got a coat of many colors. And if we come to this position of my utmost, my utmost, I want to know him to the extreme, to the highest level, to the foremost, to the maximum. He came back. If we put it on the screen now, there's one more verse attached. It's verse 21. As he finished, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. This is where he'd come to. He realized that if I die at the age of 30, 50, 70, whatever, when that time comes, when that appointment comes, I'm going to be with him. It's all gain. It's all good then. But you've still got me here. So to live is Christ. This is sobering thoughts, isn't it? In my case, your name's not Randy, but mine is. It's, it's, it's either to live as Christ or, in my case, to live as Randy. What's Randy want? What's Randy want to do? What's Randy demanding? What's expected? If you want to be my good graces, what does Randy expect? And we live this way until there comes a time of surrender. And we say, God, and I, I trust in the power and the anointing of God that is here in this house. That some are saying, I've heard messages like this, but I, 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 I've never gone to a point of extreme. I, I, I've always somehow thought, I don't want to be known as a radical. Because we're hearing that somebody thinks we're a heretic. I've, heard, I've seen others in the news that are called radicals, and I don't like what they're doing. And yet... Here's this extreme, my utmost. As I do business this day, O oh Lord, I want to give it my very best. As I create this company, I want to give it my very best. As I develop friendships, I want to give it my very best. I'm going to help somebody else here. Because it sounds like, if you don't listen close enough, I'm asking you to be conceited. But you know, it's important that we're liked. I'm not talking about being people pleasers. 
I'm talking about being a model of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about people coming to the place where they're drawn to you. What is it about you that makes you different? You keep your cool better than anybody I've known. In the times that I've seen you lose it, you're a man or woman enough to come back and apologize for. I've watched you. I've, I, I've studied you. How long has it been since someone has said that to you? Because you've got to know, as soon as you say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower, I'm a believer in the Lordship of Jesus Christ, game's on, folks. There are those saying, well, I know what I expect out of a Christian, so let's see how you measure up. But what would happen if you're living in an extreme relationship with God to where they have to come back and say, everything I've had in the past to measure a relationship of one of you kind, you've surpassed it in every area. I don't know what to do with you. The annals of time are filled with people who were one to the kingdom of God because of the witness of another believer. Sometimes through stress, distress, you stress. Sometimes through uh, business practices, whatever the case. But we come back to this position. Lord, I want to give you my very best. We come to the music, Gary. I came across another tidbit of information I thought was interesting. In the signing of the Declaration of Independence... These signers of that declaration, you and I, unless we do any study at all, may just think, well, you all knew what was ahead and how wonderful this country would develop, and you get credit to be a charter member. But that just wasn't the case at that time. They had full knowledge of the potential of disaster. And what I was interested in this time is John Hancock. We hear his name. You've probably used the expression, didn't know why you did it. Somebody asked for your signature. I'll give you my John Hancock because he's the first signer. But if you look closely, his name was very large on that declaration. You want to know why? He said, because I'm making a declaration and I'm totally committed to and when King George reads this, I don't want him to have to put his spectacles on to see who signed it. Wow! What a commitment! Because every one of those signers knew if this, if this thing that's going on in this country, this declaration to be independent, goes wrong, we're going to not only lose everything, we'll lose our life, we'll be hanged. But that's the commitment level it took. But yet to see it to an extreme, let me make sure you know what my name is. I'm signing up. I firmly believe that's what God expects of us as we sign up to be children of God. Here I am, Lord, and in big print, I want the world to know I'm no longer my own. I've been bought with a price. The precious blood of Jesus Christ I believe that you died on a cross, and on that moment you were God hanging on that cross. I not only believe that, but I believe it was significant. Because in that, it wasn't just another thing that happened in history. It had eternal 
power to it that is still changing lives today. Jesus, you took my sin. Every nasty thought. Every time I punch somebody in the nose. Every time I embezzled a dollar here, a five dollar there. Every time I misrepresented. On and on and on. You took my place. And you loved me before I was even remotely lovable. Yes, Lord, I'll sign up for that. Would you stand with me today?